Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. I'm going to pray. We'll get started. God, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you that we have it, um, that we can learn from it, that we can engage it. Um, that you teach us from it. And Lord, this morning I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So chapter 34 of Ezekiel, God's word is coming to the shepherds, to the leaders of the people. And the prophet comes and he begins with, woe to you shepherds. Now, now let me just share something with you. If somebody came up to you and said, I have a word from the Lord for you. Like somebody that has the prophetic gift. And I've met a few people that do have, that have had the prophetic, uh, a prophetic gift. Um, they were able to speak words like, almost like God was speaking themselves. It, it's undeniable. And if he starts off or she starts off the word of God to you with, Woe to you, things are not going to go well. This is not gearing up to a positive experience for you. Now, it's almost like, it's almost like hearing those words, wait till your father gets home, but just on a really big level, okay? So this is what, this is what these shepherds are hearing. And then God begins to go in and tell them, All of the things that they're doing wrong. You're out for yourselves. You're only looking out for yourselves. It's all about you and not about the people. The people are hurt. They're wasting away. And you are actually doing nothing. All of my sheep are going going, uh, stray. And, and, And you're just sitting there fattening yourself. And God says, you know what? Since you're not getting it done, since you're not getting it done, I'm going to step in. I'm going to come to the rescue. I am going to do something about it. Next slide. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. This is an amazing promise made by God. We have to understand that that the idea of shepherd in the Old Testament is a little different from the idea of shepherd in the New Testament. When they talk about the shepherd in the Old Testament, they're they're addressing the king. They're talking about the kingship, the leader of the people. And the king was the, the, the religious leader. The king was the civil leader. There's no real delineation between the two. The king is the leader. And God is addressing the king and saying, listen, you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But, but... I'm going to step in, and I am going to handle this. I am going to gather those people that have been scattered, gather those people that have lost their way, that that, that have no rest. I am going to give my people rest. Those who have been hurt, 
those who may have walked away because of injustice or the king just not doing what the king should do, I'm going to call them back. Those that could not follow, that just have, have strayed away from me, I am going to go out and I am going to get them. Maybe they couldn't follow the leader because the leader was not following God and they decided, I can't go down that road and they walked away. God says, I'm going to gather them. The hurt will be healed. And not just a physical healing, but emotional and a spiritual healing. The human condition of hopelessness without God is going to be uh, healed by God. This is his promise. He's going to strengthen and he's going to build up. And the strong, the strong who have gotten strong at the expense of the weak, they are going to be destroyed. Now, if you're getting destroyed, this is not a good ending for you. This is not going out in peace. When you're destroyed, it's, it's a warning that it's going to end very, very bad. And then God says, I will shepherd my people with justice. And that means that, that, means that there's, there's going to be an accountability that God is going to enact on these people. The people who have, who have um, gotten ahead or gotten wealthy or gotten strong at the expense of the weaker, he is going to call them to account. He is going to call them accountable. The people who are exploiting their own people will be held responsible, held accountable. The people that think they have God on their side and have it all figured out, God is going to call them on that. He will shepherd his flock with justice. So the exploitation that's taking place from the king right on down will finally come to an end. And then we have this promise in verse 23. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. God is going to place one shepherd over his people, and this shepherd is going to watch over the people. This shepherd is going to bring to fruition the promises of God. All of those things that God said he was going to do is going to happen because of this one shepherd from the house of David over his people. But it's interesting that just a few verses before that, God said, I am going to do this, and I am going to do that, and I will uh, shepherd my flock with justice, and I will find them, and I will, will gather them back. And then he says, I will give them one shepherd. Let's go to John chapter 10. Very truly, you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact... They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This is Jesus speaking once again to the Pharisees. Now, the difference, uh, there's no real break in the action from chapter 9 of John to chapter 10. It's kind of just one long discourse. Jesus has healed this blind man. He's got his sight. He has called out the Pharisees. And this is kind of the continuation of that whole dialogue. Now, 
In Jesus' day, the leadership of the Jews, there is no king over them anymore. Rome is, is um, they're occupying nation, they're, they're oppressing them. There is Caesar that rules over them, but they don't have a king. But they do have leadership. They do have people that are calling the day-to-day shots, the everyday stuff in Judaism. These are the Pharisees. These are the Sadducees. There is no doubt who is leading the people of, of uh, Israel in their Judaism. And these are the people that are doing it. They are the leaders. They are the judges. They are the jury. They are the enforcers. Not really a king anymore, but we have the religious leaders. They would be considered now their shepherds. And Jesus begins to tell the story. He tells a story about, about sheep and shepherds and going into, into the gate. And, and he starts it off by, listen up, Pharisees. This is going to be very important. You need to hear what I'm about to tell you. And he launches into a story about farmers and about sheep. Now, sheep are very interesting critters. Um, they, would, they would come at night and they would come into what they would call a, a sheep's pen, okay, to, to kind of keep them safe. Now, this could be on the side of a house where they would only have three walls. This could be a cave. This could be in the middle of, of the desert where they would just put, you know, shrubberies around and try to keep them in. This is, this is some place that the sheep can come in at night and be protected, protected by the animals that are looking for a nice little lamb chop dinner in the evening. They want to keep the, these sheep Safe, But not only was it to keep um, things out and keep uh, the animals out from getting them, but it was also to keep the sheep in because sheep are kind of dumb, okay? And, and that's, that's the only way that, that we can describe sheep. Sheep will just walk away from the flock like there's nothing wrong, and they will just kind of go out, look for a snack, try to find something, and find themselves lost. But they're, they're defenseless. They're timid. They're, they're helpless. The only thing that they have to, to fight off an attack is to turn and run. And that's it. And for, for sheep to be healthy, I mean, for them to, to stay healthy and to rest, they, they have to be free of fear. They have to be free of aggravation and hunger and tension. They have to be well-fed, and they have to not be thirsty. This is how sheep stay healthy. Now, it's almost like they're the prima donna of like farm animals because they have to have all these things even before they can lay down and they can rest. You know, it's, it's both sad and comical that in the Bible, we are compared to sheep throughout the entire Bible. And it's the shepherd who would always supply those things that the sheep needs to be healthy. And then Jesus continues on the story. He says, you know, if somebody comes into the sheep pen, because there's only one door, there's only one way in, and there's only one way out, no matter what type of sheep pen it is. If somebody comes in other than the door, there can't be anything good that's going to come from that. Nothing good is going to come from somebody jumping over the fence. But he says, the shepherd. The shepherd will enter by the door. The gatekeeper will allow him in, and the sheep will hear his voice. But let's just clear something up here. This whole gatekeeper thing, I mean, don't you want to know, like, what's the spiritual significance of the, of the gatekeeper? And I think there isn't any. It's just part of the story. It's part of the cultural norm. Sometimes many flocks would be in one pen, and there'd be one guy. He would stand guard at the door. Sometimes it just allow the, the shepherd to get some downtime to rest a little bit. But, but the shepherd, 
the shepherd would come into the pen and the sheep would know his voice. They would be able to recognize who he is. Now, shepherds in the Eastern tradition, they would have a a special call for their flock. And it's not like, you know, here, sheepy, sheepy, sheepy. It's not like that. It's some very unique, I'm not going to try to reproduce call that, that that shepherd would use to get the attention of his flock. And sometimes there would be multiple flocks together, whether it could be in the sheep's pen or even at a watering hole. And all the shepherd had to do was distance himself from the main body of all those sheep and call out. And his sheep would know his, his call. And they would follow him. They, they, they would move toward him. And if somebody else tried to use that same call, even try to use the same voice, the sheep would know. They would not be fooled. They would not follow that person who was not their shepherd. Only their shepherd they would follow. And once he would gather his sheep to them, he would turn and he would lead them and his sheep would follow. This is a very different way of herding sheep than, say, in places like uh, Australia, where, where sheep are driven. They're pushed from behind with dogs and all kinds of crazy creatures and, and, and just kind of moving them along. But here, the shepherd is out front. And the sheep follow because they know his voice. They trust his voice. They feel safety with, they feel safe with their shepherd. And they will not, they will not be led astray by somebody who is trying to lie, cheat, or steal them to their own flock. This story that Jesus is telling them, it's just a very cultural, normal story. It's, it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's something that people would see every day. It would be me like telling you guys a story. Okay, there's this guy in a coffee shop, right? And he's working on his computer because it's a good coffee shop and they have Wi-Fi. And he's sitting there and he's working on his computer and he hears this song come over the radio. And so the obvious thing he does because he really likes this song is he takes his iPod out and he, and he dials up, I'm sorry, he takes his iPhone out and he dials up the right app so he can sample this song and his iPhone app will tell him what that song is. And he really likes this song. So then he logs onto his iTunes account on his computer and he, and he buys this song and he downs, downloads it to his computer, then uploads it to his iPod so now it's become part of his favorite um, playlist. See, that story happens. It plays out a thousand times every day in America. There's nothing, there's nothing different. There's nothing amazing about that story. In fact, I bet you all haven't gotten any spiritual significance out of it at all, have you? Oh, you shallow people. No, I'm only kidding. There's no, there is nothing. And so these Pharisees, they have no idea what Jesus is talking about. First, he starts off with like, you know, you know listen up. This is going to be very important for you to understand. They have no clue these learned bible knowing memorizing men uber spiritual they're just like huh they have no idea what you're talking about and so jesus jesus will press on next slide therefore jesus said again very very truly i tell you i'm the gate for the sheep All have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to its full. Jesus just got finished talking about sheep. 
and shepherds and how the sheep know the shepherd's voice and how they'll, they'll follow him when they hear his voice. And, and you would think that he would try to clarify that whole statement, but he doesn't. He launches into something. He launches into a new thought. He, he talks about this idea of him being the gate, him being the gate to the pen where the sheep will enter. Remember, the pen is where the sheep will find rest, where the sheep could lay down and be safe, free of fear, free of tension, free of anxiety, a place where they could be protected. Jesus is making a very interesting claim here. He's beginning to move this whole thing in the direction of seeing the words of Ezekiel fulfilled. And the, and the Pharisees, they know what he's talking about. They have the Old Testament memorized. They know chapter 34 in Ezekiel. They know it talks about the Messiah. And Jesus is beginning to move this whole thing to in that direction. He is telling them the things that the people needed back then, the things that they were not getting from their leaders, the things that they were lacking and they were being scattered over. I will give those things to them. If you want the safety, if you want the, the, the healing, if you want to be gathered, then you enter through me, not through the leaders of the day, a.k.a. the Pharisees. They could not give the people what the people needed. The leaders of the Old Testament were not giving what the people needed. And the leaders in Jesus' day were not giving the people what they needed. And Jesus is telling them they are robbing and they were stealing from the people the very things that God wanted for them. This, this idea of faith and rest and wholeness. The Pharisees are stealing from them. And Jesus says, if you enter if you enter through me into that place, I will give you those things that you are lacking in your life. I will give you wholeness. I will give you purpose. I will give you rest. I will give you everything that the thief and the robber has stolen. This, this past week um, was a very challenging week for me. I was asked to do a funeral for a 20-year-old guy um, last Saturday, um, some of you were here, I, I told this, shared the story. Uh, he was on a cliff uh, with some friends and uh, probably doing some things they shouldn't have been doing. And um, one of his friends dropped a cell phone um, down onto a ledge and he decided he would climb down and get that cell phone. And uh, he slipped and he fell 75 feet and was killed. He's 20 years old. And uh, he, he had come here a few times. He'd come to visit, but not enough to really get involved, not enough to, for people to really know him. And so Sunday after our Build-A-Burger gig, um, myself and Rich Clark, Rich Clark was, was mentoring him for many, many years. Um, we went to the family, and uh, we visited with them, and we began, to, began to, to, to come alongside them and mourn with them. And then on Tuesday evening, we went back over there, and, and we chatted some more and we started to plan the service that we would that we would have and Wednesday evening was the wake and then Thursday morning uh, was the funeral and and we laid him we laid him to rest and so it was this this very emotional uh, time e even for me which I, I didn't know him that well but as as a father and you look at a 20 year old laying in a casket that does something to you it does something. and there's no way that you cannot mourn and hurt and cry over a tragedy like that. There's, it's, it, there's just no way. And, and as, I, as I stood and I watched um, 
Many of his friends, all, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids coming in and, and crying, like, like, like sobbing, like, like, like babies. I mean, just not like with tears. I mean, just outright crying. I felt so, so bad for them because they cried. They cried without any hope. They cried without, without any hope that, that things could be different that they can find purpose, that they can know rest, that they can know fulfillment in life. They cried at the loss of their friend, and, and well, they should, but they cried without the hope that they may really see him again. And I watched them go through, uh, it was almost like they, would, they were awkward in their um, expression of, of religious stuff. Because when you're at a funeral, God becomes really, God becomes very real for you. It doesn't matter if you've never prayed a day in your life. When you're at a funeral, all of a sudden, God becomes the focus. And I watch these kids, you know, going through the trappings of faith and, you know, kneeling down and, and folding their hands and closing their eyes and bowing their heads. And I, and I could imagine some were just doing that because, well, that, that's what you do, right? You just, you just kneel down and you bow your head and, and you're quiet. And I don't know if, if any of these kids ever had prayed a prayer in their life, but, but they were going through that. And some would, would make the sign of the cross and they would do it almost like it embarrassed them. And they would forget this one over here, you know, they were just like, you know, really quick, like almost like, because that's just what you do at a funeral. And so the, it was all done in this, this sense of, of hopelessness without any realization of who God is, who Jesus really is, and the places that they look for their comfort and their purpose and their rest. And it's in, it's in the drinking and it's in, it's in drugs and, and, and in the poor choices that many, many, many are making. I just wanted to tell them, no, that's, that's not where you're going to find it. I know for a fact, I just know because I was that age once myself, that a lot of these kids were going to leave that wake on Wednesday night, leave that funeral on Thursday, and they were going to go out and they were going to get drunk in the memory of their friend. And they were going to go out and they were going to, they were going to numb the pain the only way that they knew how. And I just... Rich, Rich made the comment. He goes, let's, let's just lock them all in a room and talk to them. And, and, I, and I was like, what a great idea. Like, we'll have the funeral, and then we'll just ask everybody 25 and over to leave. And we'll close the doors, and I'll take off, I'll take off my jacket, and I'll roll up my sleeves and flash a few tattoos, and then get in their face and tell them what you're doing and the way you're living. You don't have to do this. It doesn't have to be like this with you. There's something much, much better. And they're just going through, the, they're going through life looking for purpose and meaning and things that have no purpose and no meaning. And now they're even trying to do religious things, and, it, and it's, it's empty. There's nothing to it. And you know, if, if I'm going to keep it real, and uh, every once in a while I like to do that in church, I know that you don't like it, but, but I have to do it. Um, many Sunday mornings I look out here, and I see, I see that same look in some of your eyes. I mean, I mean not everyone, but that, that, that you're, you're, you're going through just the religious motions, this is the way you think you should do on the outside. And you got all the outside stuff right and all the trappings of religion right. And it's almost like you feel awkward in doing it because you know that you're missing something. You just can't put your finger on it. And you're looking for rest. And you're looking for peace. 
and places where there, are, there is no rest and there is no peace. You are looking to produce the answer to questions that you can't answer. And Jesus is the gate to where you can find rest. You know what? He's not standing at the gate with his arms crossed in a snarl across his face, just going, yeah, come on, try it. Mm -hmm. Try to get in here. He's standing there with his arms wide open, and he's calling, and he's inviting. He's saying, no, don't don't go down that road. You don't have to go down there. You, You want peace? You want meaning? Just come through this way. This is where you'll find it. Not over there, not in that thing, not in that person. Here. See, going to church is important, but it's not everything. I'll tell you what's everything. Entering the sheep's pen through Christ, because Jesus is everything. Look what it said. I don't think I have verse 9 up there, but in verse 9, it says that if you enter through me, you will be saved. You will be kept safe. You will be rescued from danger. Suffering won't won't be in vain. Jesus wants to make you well. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. The very things that you're looking for in life, he has. He says, enter in this way. I am the gate to those things. And then in verse 11, he makes this claim. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the answer to the prophecy of Ezekiel. Jesus is the shepherd that has been sent by God. Jesus is the shepherd who is God. And that shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Back in the first century, shepherds did not die for the sheep. In fact, if a shepherd died protecting the sheep, it was an accident. That's not what they meant to do. A shepherd would not die over one sheep. It wasn't the norm. They, the shepherd was to live for the sheep, not die for the sheep. But Jesus understands that in order for the sheep, us people, to have life, that he has to lay his own life down. And he's willing to do it freely and openly, not just in death, but the way that he lived. He would lay his life down so that we can have life. Ezekiel 34, let's go back there. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As shepherds look after the scattered flocks when they are with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will, tend, I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Jesus is the one 
who searches for us. Jesus is the one who wants to look after us. And as we drift away from time to time, which we do because we are sheep, Jesus is the one who is constantly watching and constantly on guard. And on the day, on the day of clouds in darkness, which we have all experienced in our life, when life kicks and pushes and sucker punches you and you didn't even see it coming, when things go wrong, when things fall apart... It's not going to be that person. It's not going to be that relationship. It's not going to be that bottle. It's not going to be your job. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be Jesus. The good shepherd is calling. And do you hear his voice? Can can you hear his voice with all the noise that's going on in your life? Can you see him at the entrance of the gate, waving you down, saying, come on, this way. This is the way for you. This is the way to life. The sheep know the shepherd's voice, and they follow him. If you heard the voice of Jesus, would you, would you even recognize it? Would you know it was him speaking to you? You know what's really sad? Um, in, in, in some ways, sheep are smarter than we are. Because they will not follow anyone but their shepherd. And we are so easily led astray. Jesus said, I am the gate. Come this way, enter through me, and you will be saved. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I will lay my life down for you so that you can have a life. It's the word of God, the word of Jesus. It's his promise. You can bet your life on it. And so let's pray. God, thank you for your word again. Thank you for the example of Jesus that you call us, that you want us to to have this life, that you want us to enter in, that you are the good shepherd looking after us, that you are the king, that you will be our king. And that you, will, you that you've, will live for us and that you've died for us so we can know life. And so, God, I pray that you would help us remember that simple truth that in you is life. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.